Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Hello, and welcome to the first episode in our Top 4 Under 40 series. These four episodes will feature conversations with the winners of Fruit and Vegetables' recent contest, which sought to recognize the industry's young trailblazers. My name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Fruit and Vegetable Magazine, and your host for this series. I am also the nominator of Susan Judd, the top four under 40 winner highlighted in this episode. I nominated Susan not just for her direct contributions to the Canadian fruit and veg industry, which are notable in and of themselves but also because of her efforts to communicate the importance and activities of the industry to those outside of it. Between her work in agritourism and education development, Susan acts as an ambassador for agriculture and the fruit and veg industry to those who might not otherwise connect with it. Without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Fruit and Vegetable Magazine, and I'm here today talking with Susan Judd. How are you doing, Susan? I'm excellent, thanks. How are you, Alex? Great, thank you. Susan is one of the winners of our top four under 40 contest. So today we'll be talking about her experiences in the fruit and vegetable industry. So let's give a quick background. How did you get involved in the Canadian fruit and veg industry? Uh, I was born into it. Um, So I was one of the lucky winners of the lottery of being born on a farm. Uh, So I grew up just outside of Simcoe on a strawberry and dairy farm. So uh, particularly in fruit and veg, we, you know, grew a garden at home, a fairly large garden, but it was the strawberry, pick your own strawberries that we did every June. That was a really big part of my life. So that's how I got into it. And it was actually wineries that brought me back to the food and veg industry. So um, coming back to Norfolk County, my first job out of university was at Burning Hill Winery. So it got my toe back in the door. <laughs> Yeah, you came back to Norfolk at a good time because that's when the grape growing and wine craze was just starting up. Absolutely. Yeah, it was perfect timing for me. Yeah. And now that you're at Humans, you're also back into pick your own strawberries, it sounds like. Yes, I am. So my parents kind of laugh because it was never my plan to end up in farming at all. (laughs) Um, And so winding up in the wine industry and with burning kiln, you know, the doors kind of opened to me from a variety of perspectives. So I was, had the pleasure of teaching with uh, Fanshawe College in their agribusiness management program. Um, And I got to talk a lot about my experience with strawberries and and different products there. Uh, And I also started Ride the Vine. So we, myself and my business partner, Amanda Dooney, uh, own a beer, wine, and cider tour company uh, in Southwestern Ontario. So I didn't realize it at the time, but it was one of those things where, you know, your passion for the food really comes through in these types of projects. And I can really see the benefit of that now. So, yeah. Yeah. And Ride the Vines become quite, quite the draw for Norfolk in the agritourism world. Yeah. You know, I honestly have been shocked because we were picturing a lot of people coming from outside of the area, but we have so many people join us from within Norfolk just to experience what we have locally. Um, And not only once, but they'll come multiple times, which is amazing and are our biggest champions. And so seeing people really embrace where they're from is such an excellent change from 
what I'm used to in high school where everybody was just like, run away. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome to see that. And here at Heman, so um, my husband, Tom's family business, we both uh, work in, in the family business just east of London. Um, so we have a greenhouse and garden center, strawberries and raspberries. We also do pick your own. And most recently, we just started hard ciders. Uh, so that's been quite a, an adventure. But it's just so exciting to see people coming to agriculture in so many different ways. Yeah, it seems like there's so much more of a spotlight on it. And it's kind of like a viable career in a lot more minds these days, as opposed to 10, 20 years ago. Absolutely. You and your husband, Tom, basically put together the cidery program at Heemans, correct? Yes, that's correct. I guess that makes sense, given the ride the bind and your interest in craft cider, beer and wine. How has that gone for you folks? Yeah, it's been honestly a, a phenomenal embracing of the community for us. With Ride the Buying, Tom and I would spend a lot of weekends just in different places in Ontario, uh, and we would be tasting and, and chatting about what kinds of products were new and exciting. And I had to stop stop drinking beer just because of the gluten, which is unfortunate, but um, it meant we were drinking a lot more cider. And of course, uh, Amanda and Hayden with their apple farm, and having those close connections, uh, we just really fell in love with cider and decided that we could probably do something cool. So along with Tom's bees on site here, we actually make some meads as well. But we've we've come up with, I think we're into the double digits. So we've probably got 10 or 12 different, both year-round and seasonal offerings that we've provided. So it's been like I said, it's been a whirlwind. And yeah, since we first launched in November 2019, um, the community has, you know, embraced this crazy idea of ours and have, you know, have really come to bat and, and shone a light on the amazing products that are created and available in Ontario. That's fantastic. And that's one of the things I've heard discussed a few times lately is that value added seems to be one of the clearest ways into the future for the fruit and veg industry. Is that something you would agree with having kind of a foot in both sides? Absolutely. So my mom, Sharon Judd uh, at Meadowland Farms, I consider kind of one of the pioneers in looking at different ways to vertically integrate your business. And so growing up, we didn't have a lot of reason to keep strawberries that were perfectly good, but might've had a thumbprint or had a white tip or something that didn't make the cut for our freshly picked strawberries. Um, and as she grew, you know, size wise, there was more and more food waste. And I think a lot of farmers are looking at that as an opportunity and not, you know, just money down the drain anymore. And so it was her idea to start steaming strawberries. And so now she does that at a commercial scale which has greatly helped us um, because that's actually a product that we use for our ciders and breweries love it because it is um, seed and pulp free, which is fantastic. But we, you know, there's all of these types of businesses that are doing some amazing things and, and Heman's have been doing it for quite some time as well Is when we have overages in fruit. Um, that's when we start making jams and our Sunday sauces to use here on site as well. So, you know, any way we can use, that fruit we do to make it either just as as viable from a, a revenue perspective and sometimes even more so depending on how you're how you're manipulating that product and it's it's pretty amazing 
you know, we have some really great distillers in the area that are popping up uh, and are starting. And, you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because especially in this last year in COVID, we've seen a massive uptick in people wanting to not only buy fresh fruit and vegetable that's local, but, you know, come out and explore. And so with that, we are getting to a point where we don't have almost enough fruit that's not being sold right from our farm market, which again, these are challenges that we didn't really anticipate. And you can never bank on things being exactly the same forever in the fruit and veg industry. And, and, you know, we get hit with viruses and, and lots of different things that can upset production, but based on how things are going and the science that we're using to make sure we have some really excellent crops. Um, yeah, we're, we're pretty impressed with, with the creativity that's happening in the industry from that perspective. Kind of jumping off of that, but also going in the opposite direction. What's a major challenge that you faced in the industry? I think one of the biggest challenges I've personally faced, and, you know, I think many people who talk to the public all often face this as well, um, is just all of the misconceptions that come with agriculture and, and producing food. And along that, just understanding and expectations around what should be available and when. Um, and so I'm, I'm totally sympathetic to the fact that Ontario is now becoming a fairly large producer of greenhouse strawberries, which means you can get local greenhouse strawberries in Canada almost all year round, which kind of skews customer and consumer expectations in terms of what produce they should be seeing at what time of year. But we definitely get lots of calls in like February, March, because we have a greenhouse for our flowers. People assume that we also grow strawberries in greenhouse, um, which is not something that we have tried as of yet. Never say never. (laughs) Um, But I think, I think it's, it's people's expectations. And then the types of misinformation that gets spread around, be it online or on social media around plant nutrition and maintaining plants and, and proper care. And I think the, the biggest thing that consumers forget about when you watch the Netflix documentaries of portraying farmers as like dumping chemicals on all of these different types of food. I think what is forgotten is the fact that farmers have to be business people and most business people reduce their costs as much as possible to produce the best product that they can. And so um, I think there's just that disconnect where people put farmers on a pedestal and say, you know, you're held to a different standard, but also don't think of them as business people trying to, you know, not only feed their own family, but do things you know, in the safest, most economical of ways. So I think that would be a trend over most of my life is just, you know, information and how that is shared and and spread. Um, More recently, I think different programs that we have in Canada has become definitely a widespread issue. And looking at employment in Canada and how we actually are harvesting food and what our viable ways for farmers to actually consistently be producing food um, and how we keep people who are in those jobs safe and treated with respect, I think has become uh, a pretty big issue recently. So um, I see that something being something in the next one to two years being a, a pretty significant challenge for the farming community. And I think farmers have been really great to step up and, and 
shine a light on our different programs. You know, none of them are perfect, but we couldn't do what we do without these people joining us in Canada for any given period of time. So I think just more education around that would be really helpful. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of farmers have taken to social media for that purpose, which social media can be a blessing and a curse because yeah. bite-sized bits of information without necessarily the context you'd want to give them otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. What's one thing you wish people outside the industry knew about what you do? That is a great question. And I thought about this a lot just to, you know, pinpoint one thing. I think there's the general kind of perspective of farming and whenever you say agriculture or fruit and veg and, and people kind of envision, you know, the plaid shirt and the pitchfork or, or a tractor or whatever that looks like. And I think people don't realize, especially in high school, as you mentioned before, what opportunities actually, you know, are, are all surrounding the fruit and veg industry, let alone, you know, just being the producers of fruit and veg in this country. And so I think, you know, chatting with people like Joe Dales or, you know, some of these people who are kind of pushing different technologies forward in the egg industry or, you know, have their finger on the pulse of what jobs are available. I think they'll be the first ones to say, you can get a job in tech, in agriculture, you can get a job in marketing and agriculture. And I think speaking with some people in Norfolk County, people who have marketing expertise and knowledge of agriculture is very hard to find. And those, those types of skills in a, in a job description are not easily you know, manufactured or researched um, and how you talk about something specifically in agriculture is important. And so I think just introducing it as something that's more than, you know, just having your hands in the dirt um, is definitely what people can be expecting in, in the fruit and veg industry. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I wish people kind of looked at those opportunities at a younger age, um, because I think there's some really exciting things happening, you know, from a technological perspective, my husband, Tom is talking about, you know, the electronic tractors that are becoming available and, and all of these different amazing tools that we will be able to use in the near or far future that will really change the game for us. Yeah, I think you're going back to something you said before, education is key, because I think it would make ag and fruit and veg a viable career option. Or I think having people who understand the ag side of things in other industries is also key because absolutely that disconnect between farm and urban can create a lot of the misinformation and miscommunications. Yeah. And, you know, you see, you see boxes of cereal that are like made with wheat and there's there's barley on the box right and th just those funny things that you notice and it's just like that's not that's not right <laughs> i think that's a funny piece where it's so important for so many jobs and you know for even the industry that you're in and publications and, and writing about it it's so important to have an understanding and i think there's so many great people who do and and i just wish yeah more people in high school saw that as an opportunity and I think the other thing I would like people from outside of the industry to know is we're fun. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to any of the conferences or, and that's probably what I've missed the most is 
some of the associations putting on their annual meetings or conferences, you know, the fruit and veg conference in, in Niagara every year, you get these people together and they are a bunch of fun folks. And again, it's, I don't think that's the perception that we necessarily give off, but I think if people knew uh, the type of community that was surrounded by this industry, it would be definitely something people would, would seek out and look for. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a close knit community that you'd be entering to, if you came into the fruit and veg industry. Yes. And on that topic, what advice would you give to someone who's considering entering the industry? Also a great question. I think um, the networking aspect of it is super important. Um, And so if anybody is interested in any part of the industry, reaching out to folks that they might know locally um, is a great first step. The one thing I know is, you know, whenever I make a call, uh, not only is that individual usually super willing to share whatever they know, but willing to share other contacts that might also be able to help. And that's one thing I appreciate so much of the community is it really is collaborative in a lot of ways. And most people, because there's fewer and fewer of us, most people are pretty open to sharing tricks and techniques and, and basically as much information as, as you want to know, or are willing to sit and listen to them for, because, you know, there's just not as many people following in the footsteps. And so when you talk to anybody uh, in the industry, I think they're really excited to to chat about somebody who might have a future there because in general, I think people are really looking forward to the next generation coming in and, and being a part of it. Yeah, people are excited for what's next and the, the people who are going to make that happen. Yeah, and I think some of the older generations right now are, you know, finally seeing what's in my mind, basically their whole life's work of trying to get people to care about local food and what that means. And so I give them all the credit because I know campaigns and and different efforts have been done for many, many years and decades. Um, And so now to see that kind of resurgence, I know, you know, in the 2000s on my, on my family's farm, Um, pick your own. We were kind of unsure of its future. And, you know, is this going to be viable moving forward? And will people actually want to do this? And then, you know, we have this new generation of people who are just so fascinated and want to put their hands in the straw and like smell, smell what a farm smells like. And, and I think a lot of farmers have been given, you know, this, this light at the end of the tunnel that people do still care and they, they are showing up for it. And so, yeah, it's really exciting to see how, how everybody is just choosing to engage. Yes. What's one accomplishment or innovation you're particularly proud of? Also a really good question. I, I am not an innovator. I am very, I am like super self-aware of that. You know, we, we all have taken our Myers-Briggs tests and uh, in the family business here and I am a sensor, so I am in the moment. So innovation, I wouldn't take any credit for. (laughs) I have people for that. My husband being one of them, a super innovative man. But I think um, what we've been able to accomplish, you know, last year at, at Pick Your Own, with the work that was done 
with the Ontario berry growers in OMAFRA to push the province to make sure that pick your owns were going to happen. Uh, I can take no credit for it, but um, what I can take credit for is, is a really successful um, pick your own season that, you know, we had healthy staff and, and healthy guests and we had more out than ever and it was more comfortable to be out than ever. And we were able to change and pivot our processes to make sure that people were safe and comfortable when they did visit. And because pick your own is one of my favorite times of the year um, and just being out with people in the field, enjoying that harvest and the celebration that is, you know, picking fruits and vegetables to be able to see that and to give people hope that even in a COVID world, there was still something that was going to feel normal you know, to bring those strawberries home and enjoy them. That was a really big accomplishment that took a massive team to pull off, but um, I was really happy to be a part of it. And yeah, I saw Pick Your Owns across Ontario just come out swinging and, you know, come to bat and and want to show people a great time with great food and keep people safe. And so I really, really loved not only our own accomplishments in that, but sharing the accomplishments with people across the province. Yeah, that was a major win because it did provide that bit of normalcy in a very abnormal year. There was absolutely a ton of innovation that people came up with, and I am definitely the implementer side of, (laughs) of things for sure. There were a lot of, with anything involved with agriculture in the past year, it's been a lot of really swiftly changing regulations and often contradictory (laughs) regulations. So I imagine getting the pick your own up and running last year was affected by that several times over. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what we had to decide, like I said, going back to the guidelines that were provided, they were very much kind of getting out front of the seasons. Um, And because strawberries are the first pick your own season to come in. Um, We were definitely the guinea pigs in that point, from that point of view. But because we're in June and it's nice and people can be outside, I think that's where the strawberry farmers in particular just had to kind of do what felt right with their gut, follow the regulations that were being provided and just go with it. I think apple farmers and people who had pick your owns after the fact could learn from what we did um, and try and and build upon that, which again, I saw people doing some fantastic jobs and some things you just couldn't plan for because I know there were tons of apple farmers that had lines lines kilometers down the road and there's just no planning for that. And so, yeah, that's where I think just like what we're doing right now in the floriculture industry and we're being reactive, but we're trying to plan as much as possible to anticipate what might be coming down the stream of information from the government. And I think that's what everybody um, has been successful doing. And I think we're all a little bit more comfortable doing that now as well. Yeah. One year on and constantly having to do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like your ear, yeah, your ear to the radio every Friday afternoon to see what might be changing and anticipating what might happen prior to that. Um, yeah, has made us, I think, really nimble and really ready to kind of hit the ground running when it comes to being prepared for any kind of scenario. So mm-hmm. on the topic of changes, but a little bit more long term, how do you think the industry will change in the next five years? 
also wonderful question. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways to answer that. And actually uh, another, going back to our last topic of things that I was proud of, um, here at Hemans, we actually were able to offer a strawberry drive-through. So because we were limited to how many people we could have in our store um, and the greenhouse was busy at that time, we actually created a drive-through in our parking lot where people could just pull around in their vehicles and place an order for strawberries and, and eventually some other produce and just kind of fly out of humans without having to even get out of your car. So that was another, another innovation that I can take no credit for, but was really <laughs> proud to be on the team that made that happen. Um, and I think that's some of the ways that we're seeing the industry change. Tom talked about it fruits and vegetables are inherently fast food because, you know, you pick up an apple and it's ready to eat. You pick up a pear or a peach and it's ready to go. And so now we're translating that to the Tim Horton style of putting it in a drive-through. So our parents who might have littles in the car or pets or might people might have uh, mobility issues. We've now opened up this opportunity for people to enjoy a quart of strawberries like they would a Tim Hortons coffee, which I think those types of innovations um, that have come from COVID, I think we will see really take off and continue over the next five years. Um, and what I really hope to see is those people who have been engaged and talking about local food and purchasing more local food than ever. I really hope to see that continue. We've had really great engagement and people asking questions and, and just being really great to want to know the answers where before they might not have. And, and so I really see that as our opportunity. I think we have people's ear at this moment. And I think it's the chance for us as farmers and as an industry in fruit and veg to, you know, shout it from the rooftops and, and be very vocal about what we're doing and why we do it. And yeah, what that means for Ontario, because I strongly believe we have some of the best food fresh food in the entire world, some of the safest food in the entire world, and, you know, some of the best tasting food. And with the plethora of amazing food cultures that we have scattered throughout Ontario, it just leads to this amazing food culture uh, and culinary experience that you can have like no other place in the world. And so as Ontario and Canada, we need to own that because we have really cool things happening in, in fruit and veg. And even when you look at it from that food tourism perspective, I don't think we've really fully embraced what that means yet from being competitive on a, on a global scale from just, just from the tourism side of things, let alone locally. Yeah. If they're going to give us a spotlight, even if it's because of COVID, let's, let's use it to get the word out. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Susan. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Egg Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Egg Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.